Father, thank you for the opportunity to come in your presence. Lord, the opportunity to read the Bible. Lord, the opportunity to hear your voice. Lord, thank you for speaking to us so clearly, so pointedly, and so effectually. Lord, use this time to shape us, to shape me, to mold us, to mold me, to be more and more like Jesus. Lord, we need your help in this moment, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat and open up the Bible to the book of Romans. <clears throat> we are continuing our series there in Romans, or in Romans chapter 8. So we're doing a, a multi-sermon just on this one chapter, and, uh, and it's good, right? It's the, this passage is really, really good. As we look at this passage, and we understand that catching up with the idea of Romans chapter 7, saying that <clears throat> we are sinful, and the things we want to do, we don't do, and the things we don't want to do, we do. You know, a wretched man, who will deliver me from this bondage of death? And then he says, uh, it's Jesus who rescues us from this bondage of death, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's now what? No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And then he explains why in the next four verses, why there is no condemnation. Because Jesus took our condemnation, right? You know what that means when, when people say Jesus died for me? He took the penalty and the judgment that we would have received without Jesus dying for us. But because he died for us, the Lord looked on Jesus, sent his judgment on him instead of you. For whoever receives Christ as Lord and Savior is born again. Whosoever believes on him shall be saved. No more judgment. You who trust in Christ have no worry, have no fear of judgment and hell whatsoever. And that's a blessing. Amen. But then he describes we are born again and we still have the sinful nature. We still fall into sin. We still think the ways we shouldn't think. And the reason we say no to sin and yes to righteousness is because that's being in step with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you become the person that God had in mind. God has something very, very specific for you in life. He has something in mind for you. And when I yield to him, instead of just my own desires, then I become the kind of person that begins to fulfill God's plan for my life. You become the kind of person to where you match the very will of God. And that's just unbelievable. And that's what happens. But in our passage, what we are looking at, starting in verse 18, is a very interesting transition. So the thought goes like this. The thought goes, listen, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You now live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And, you, and then the Holy Spirit comes and He helps you, He aids you. And then you normally would think, well, man, if God is in my back pocket and the Holy Spirit is in my heart, then nothing should ever go wrong. But look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, now wait a minute, if God is for me, then why do I still suffer? I mean, if your dad's the football coach, don't you get to play quarterback? I mean, if, if your mom's the one making the donuts, don't you get the biggest one? 
I mean, if, if, if God is for you, then why, why in the world do you not have all the incredible blessings to where uh, your, your car starts every time and your air conditioning always works and your hot water tank never goes out, even in San Angelo? I mean, don't you think that it would be right that if God is our father and he's in control of everything and he loves me, then ta-da, oh, life is great. You know, that's the way it should be. But look at what Paul says. I do not consider this light affliction or these sufferings worthy to be compared to the glory of God. Now, by the way, the sufferings that Paul is talking about, <clears throat> he's in prison right now while he's writing, right? He's chained up while he's writing. And he talks about in the Corinthian letter, he talks about, uh, he said, look, I've been through a lot. Now, I've been thrown in a pit. I've been uh, lashed with the cat of nine tails, 40 times save one. I've been thrown overboard in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea in a storm. I've been bitten by snakes. I've been beaten. I've been ridiculed. I've kicked out of cities. And you know what he calls it? Just a light affliction compared to the glory that's coming. That's what he's saying. But we all suffer. We all suffer in very, very difficult ways. In fact, you could take verse 18 and you could bump it up against verse 30 as if there's a parenthetical thought, just parentheses, around verse 19 and verse 29. It's really interesting how that works. But watch what it says. It says, for I don't consider the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed. In other words, there's something better that is coming. And here it is. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's son to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Now, here's what he's saying, is that the earth is decaying, right? You know that. The, worth, the earth is going from complex to simple. You, the earth doesn't go from simple to complex. Uh, in other words, I don't lay a bunch of metal on, on the ground and it turns into a watch. No. I don't like lay a bunch of rusty nails down and next thing you know, it becomes my computer. That's not what happens. You lay your watch outside and over time, it becomes a bunch of rusty pile, right? Things complex. So the world is degrading. In fact, the world, in fact, this is cool. It says that the world even groans. Look at it, verse 21. That the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know, verse 22, that the whole creation has been groaning. I mean, the earth is groaning because of the sinfulness that is on man. And when man fell into sin, it says that it didn't sin, it didn't get into this bad situation willingly. But it was cast. When did that happen? God created the world perfect, good. And then he tells man, he said, subdue the earth. I'm putting you in charge of growing things and populating. And you can eat of any tree you want in all of the garden. But the tree that's in the center of the garden, don't eat that. Because the day you do, you will die. And he did. And then the curse was there'll be thorns and thistles. And, it'll, and so you know, I mean, earthquakes, Tornadoes, nasumis, and tsunamis, uh, all kinds of lightning strikes, wildfires, freezing to where things have, you know, snowmageddon takes place, and all these things happen. You get, you even sometimes get stung by wasps, right? The earth is decaying, and the earth is groaning, and it's all around. Uh, for our 30th anniversary, you didn't think I was that old, did you? But in our and our 30th anniversary, we went to Hawaii. And we were on a big island and we were by the beach and we took a tour that went up to, is it called Fountainhead? Something head. 
Something had. Do you know what that is? Come on, you got to help me preach a sermon. Come on. Anyway, so forget. We're up on this. We're going up this hill, and as we're going up this hill, we're with about thirty or forty people. We have a guide, and we look over this rail, and there's a landing. And so, you know, on this island, part of the island is really plush, like Jurassic Park, and the other part is like a desert. And we're looking over on this desert side, and there's one tree there, and it's got a fence around it. And this guide said, man, there's only one species of this tree and it's right here. And every chef wants it, wants a limb from this tree. Does anybody know what kind of tree this is? And I'm looking at all these other people. They're like from Taiwan and New York and all over. And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, that's a mesquite tree. <clears throat> and he goes, you're right. How did you know that? I'm going, duh. I mean, don't <laughs> believe me. I know. And he goes, and, I, and here's what I said. I said, you better kill it now. That's all I'm saying. That thing is going to take over the whole island and all the other islands, and you're not going to have a Hawaii anymore because of that mesquite tree. There's thorns. There's mesquite trees. There's snakes. There's sharks. There's alligators. There's things that go wrong and they hurt you. That is the earth. But you know what the earth is doing? The earth has anticipation of something to come. Think about when Jesus walked on the water. Because you can't walk on water, right? You can't. But when Jesus walked on the water, it's as if, uh, the captain of all the H2O said, all right, suck it up here. <laughs> he's walking by. Let's hold him up. Why? Because he's the redeemer of the world. And they just stood there and held him up. And he walked right on the water because he's in command of everything. But the earth is anticipating. And even the fragments that are going on throughout the whole earth is a sign that the earth is just erupting and waiting. Not only is it groaning, that's the word, the earth groans, not like a little kid groans for candy in the checkout line. Oh, please give me this candy. No, it's like, ugh, we can't take it anymore. And there's eruptions and there's movements and the earth is saying, when is the Lord coming back? And that's what's happening. By the way, side note, uh, we should be very, very careful with our world. We should be very, show lots of care for the, I remember uh, when I moved to the country the first time, uh, I was invited to go with a, an ecologist and someone who was in conservation. And we went to all these ranches and we saw how uh, smart, loving ranchers took care of their land and, and made it possible to where erosion wasn't destroying their land and they were taking care of uh, of crops and rotating and the animals and just the incredible care. And you and I need to be the kinds of people that realize we are to subdue this earth. We are to make things better, not worse. Now, I, I think we use good science to do this, not phony fake science, but we are to be passionate about the cleanliness of the earth. Why? Because God does. And you'll see that we are in connection with the earth. Not that we came out of the earth, but we have a responsibility to the earth and we are connected. And watch this, here's why. Because it says that there's an anticipation that the earth has for an event. Read it with me. Verse 19, for the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons, plural, to be revealed. For the creation was subject to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So we, humankind, was the one that subjected the earth into sin, and now the earth is waiting for the full revelation. We'll talk about more of this in a second. For there to be this revelation and the transformation of the soul and the humans, and the earth will be recreated as well as humankind. Humans will be recreated. So there's an anticipation. They're waiting eagerly. For we know that the whole creation, verse 22, has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, verse 23, not only the earth, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits. 
Look at what it says. We also groan within ourselves. So you got creation that's groaning and you have Christians that are groaning. Anybody been groaning lately? Been working in my yard? And then you stand up and you're going, ugh, groaning. The earth is decaying, but so is my body. Trust me, my body is. My knees, my toes, my ears, my eyes, my heart, and I'm sure every part. You know, what am I going to die of? It doesn't matter. They're all, it's all going to go out someday, right? It's, 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 got a, it's got a time limit. We have a, we have a time limit on our shelf. We have a shelf life. And it's because we and the earth, we are groaning. But not only that, but we groan because of wickedness. We groan because of the things that we see happening. Paul was even saying that. Paul was burdened by the sin that was taking place all around him, namely the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a groaning and there is a burden that is upon every single believer, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, we, we complain because of our bodies. Sometimes I want pity. I'm sure you do too, when things aren't going right. Um, when things aren't going right in the world, sometimes we complain and we yell and we scream and we thump our Bibles and we do all that. And, and then emotionally, when we're down and things aren't going the way we, we ought, we, we try to learn how to cope with coping skills. Basically, it's called sin management, which is not good. Coping skills are not good. Transformation is good. Coping skills are not. And so we groan, we're in this mess and the world is giving us one message and, and yet, but yet, there is something inside of us that is giving us the real message. Watch what this says. It says, for we know that the whole earth is creation, verse 23, and not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved. So what we're watching here in this language, we're looking at a past tense thing of being saved because of a hope and a faith in Jesus. And we're also looking at a future hope and a future salvation. So you and I live in an area where we have been saved and we are being saved and we will be saved. Remember, we've gone over this, the three aspects or time frames of salvation. We have been saved from the penalty of sin, the judgment. We are being saved from the power of sin, and eventually we will be saved from the presence of sin. And so this is saying, so not only is the earth groaning and waiting for anticipation, we who have been saved, we who have been declared his sons are waiting for a future salvation, which is sure to come toward the full redemption, consolation, and adoption and all that God wants to give us will be completely dumped out and everything will be made right. No more thorns and thistles. No more heart conditions. No more disabilities. No more barrenness. No more fights. No more problems with relationships. I mean, do you know what heaven is gonna be like? It's gonna, the ultimate heaven, it's gonna be kinda like the garden. It will where God just walks with us. We have duties. I think, I think mine is gonna have a lot to do with scuba diving or riding a Harley or playing racquetball. I can't hardly play racquetball now because these knees just don't play like they used to. That's my excuse anyway. 
what heaven is really going to be like. So this salvation that is to come, we don't have yet, but it's coming. This positional salvation that we have in a relation with God, we have it. But this salvation to come is, is a not yet, but it is fantastic. Listen to the way Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he addresses one of the most dreaded subjects that is in my mind and in your mind, and that's death. And he says, look, you need to look at death the way God does, have a new mindset towards death. And here it is. Verse 49 of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49. I'm going to start in the middle of a thought. And he says this. And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, that's Adam, and we have the decaying body like Adam, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus after the resurrection? Jesus, after the resurrection, had a full body, but yet he could walk through walls. Remember that? He could eat, but yet he could be in uh, Damascus, and then he's in Galilee. I mean, we'll have that kind of body. But listen to what it says. So how do you get that? Brothers, I tell you this, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep. That means die. The Bible's favorite word for death is sleep. Isn't that interesting? The Bible's favorite word for death is sleep because that's kind of what we do. Watch what it says. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptibly and we will be changed. Because this incorruptible must be clothed in incorruptibility. And this mortal must be clothed in immortality. Now when this corruption is clothed with incorruption and the mortal is clothed in immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? Here's what he's saying. He's saying in this, that there, are, there is coming a day when... There's something that has to take place in your life. Your physical body that is corruptible has to become incorruptible. Your physical body that is mortal has to become immortal. There has to be a transformation inside of you. It's just like that transformation in your heart when you went from the old kingdom to the new kingdom. And your body and my body has to do it. And so this is what we're talking about in Romans chapter 8 when he specifically describes this change of waiting for the full redemption to come. Look, for those that have never seen, there's coming a day when you'll have a whole new body and you'll have perfect eyesight. There's coming a day where those that didn't have uh, consistent thought, there's just a handicap in, in the mind and the thought that you will be thinking like Einstein. There's going to come a day where if you have never walked a day in your life where you will run, you will jump, and you will see the very presence of God, and you will chase, you'll probably chase people for 2,000 years, just run, 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 because you can't stop. You've never felt the wind in your hair from running. You've never seen that, but you will. There's coming a day. The earth is restored. Goes from groaning to anticipation to full redemption. Christian, you and I go from groaning to anticipation, to complete fruition and fulfillment. It's gonna happen to you and to me, but there's something else that takes place as well. 
Now, he, he says here in verse 26, now in the same way, we know the Spirit also joins to, to help us in our weakness. So as this chapter brings in the Spirit of God and the Spirit is used over and over and over and He's introduced and He says that we are the first fruits of the Spirit because the Spirit lives inside of us. Verse 23, but we ourselves have the Spirit, the Spirit of God. He's not the Father. He's not the Son. It's articulated. The Spirit an entity separate from the person of the Son, the person of the Father, but in full union with the Godhead, the Spirit comes and has a duty that He loves. The Spirit comes in the same way, watch what's happening. In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with unspoken what? Groanings. Read this with me in your Bible. Look what it says. So the Holy Spirit in the same way also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he also, look at verse 27, he also searches the heart the hearts know, he know, the one who searches the heart knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So this, the earth groans with anticipation. The children groan with anticipation. But the Spirit of God also groans in a different way. The Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you still groans with words that cannot be uttered. There are those that say this refers to praying in tongues couldn't be farther from the truth. In fact, it says the, the, the word is ag glossolalio, which means without the tongue. So there's no, it's, it's groanings too deep that can't even be uttered. It's just, <clears throat> have you ever been in that condition? To where you just <laughs> didn't know what to pray? Under burden of dread that buckles you at the knee? That the pain is coming out of you so much that every time you talk, all people hear is that pain. And it's just there and, and, and you're utterly, you're, 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 you're on bended knees with nothing you can do except just, ugh, you don't even know how to pray. And here's what happens. The Spirit groans too. The Spirit of God who's inside of you identifies with exactly what's going on. And the Bible says that the Spirit helps you and the Spirit intercedes for you, as if to say that the Spirit identifies with what's going on here, but yet He knows what's coming in the future, and He links the two together, and He goes in your stead in the presence of God, and He pulls you out, and you and I follow what He says. In fact, it says we don't know what to pray. You ever been there? It's as if we're kind of hopeless. Let me, let me say this. If you've never experienced this, you really need to listen because more than likely you will. It's common to where there's a major tragedy in somebody's life and I don't know them very well and I'll go there and I'll think, I don't know if they even understand the mindset to get out of this yet. I don't know. And so, so the reason I said that is to say this, that what I'm about to say will reinforce 
the mindset for many of you, or for the first time, you'll hear the way out and the way out of escape for something that's about to happen. You hear what I'm saying? Say, brother, don't put that mojo on me. No, listen, I'm telling you, Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So when our knees are buckled, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and does this for a reason. It's not because it's all ice cream and ribeyes and all relationships are fantastic and everybody thinks you're all that in a bag of chips. That's just not life. And so this passage is for those that experience this kind of suffering that he's describing here. And he goes on. And it's an incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. It says, for in the same way the Spirit also joins. That word joins is so powerful. It said, <laughs> you know, whether you think you're worth it or not, the Lord thinks you're worth it. Whether you think you're worthy or not, the Lord thinks you're worthy. And the Holy Spirit of God comes and he joins you in this suffering. And while you groan, while the earth groans, so does the Spirit of God groan. You may be going through something right now. And you may have these words. I've had these words. Like, man, nobody can really identify what this feels like. And you're right. There's only one of you. But you know who can? The Spirit of God can. And you know what? I don't care if a million people can identify with me. They can't help me. They can't intercede for me. But the Spirit of God can. And the Spirit of God wants to join you right where you are in the midst of trial, tribulation, suffering, join you, help you, intercede for you, and he prays with words that you can't utter. Have you ever want, you know, you're, you're down and you're, in, you're, you're, you're hurting emotionally, physically, spiritually, and you don't know what to pray. In fact, you may be tempted to pray, God, the only thing I know for you to do is to get that guy, sick him, God, make him pay, because he's hurt me. It's not the prayer. And what the, what the Holy Spirit does is he, what it says here, he intercedes for you. He prays for you. You get in the posture. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your way. Lord, I need you to take over. And the Holy Spirit takes your prayers and he edits them and makes them appropriate. When we ultimately say, Father, not my will, but yours, and I'm not sure what it is, the Holy Spirit begins to take over. And without this ministry in your life of the Holy Spirit actively involved in your life, then you're just in the flesh and you're trying to accomplish things just in the flesh and you're trying to be satisfied just in the flesh and it just doesn't work. Look what it says. And he himself searches, verse 27, searches the hearts. The one who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's exactly what you want in every situation. You want the will of God. You don't want the will of Mac. You don't want the will of a friend. You want the will of God, and it is a perfect will. It is fantastic what God has in store for you. How long are you going to live? I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to live. Sometimes someone said, hey, Pastor Mac, I think when I die, I want you to preach my funeral. I'm going, you know what? I want you to preach my funeral. <laughs> I may go before you. However long you think you've got. You may be real young and you think you've got another 100 years. That's how they think. You know what? It's nothing compared to eternity. Nothing compared to eternity. 
Listen to 1 John chapter 3, the verse, few verses. 1 John chapter 3. Look at how great the love of God is. The Father has given us. Look how great the love that the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it, is, it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. For we know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Listen, having a pure heart and accomplishing the very will of God is marked out and is guaranteed in the midst of suffering. Here's how that works. is you and I are to be confident of what eternity brings and the transformation and, and, and seeing Jesus face to face and what that does to us. And he says here in 1 John that as we think of that, it purifies us now. This hope and confident expectation of what God is going to do. When you have your eyes on that day, it changes you in this day. And you become a whole nother person in the midst of suffering because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, helping you, interceding, editing your prayers, and guaranteeing that you're going to cross the finish line. And then he says this, look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So how do you turn the bad into good? Here's how. You, you know these things. You know about the earth that in our bodies and that it's going around the long, it's going down the line of, of groaning and waiting for redemption. You know about your trials and tribulations. And that when we groan, uh, the Holy Spirit groans with us. And he helps us and he intercedes. And then while you're in that, when you're being led in that way and you're wanting God's will, here's what it says. All things work out for the good, even in this bad situation. Now, not all things are good. That's not true. There's a lot of bad things, but these bad situations can turn to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It all starts off talking about the sovereignty of God. And when we're in line with his will and we yield to the intercession of the spirit and the spirits work in our life, then you can take the bad situation you're in right now and watch God turn it into good and good things happen. You know, in my family's life, we've been through an enormous amount of, of issues and many times it's buckled me and, and where I don't know what to pray and don't even feel like praying and and things have happened to where it's just great distress. But I can also tell you that in the midst of all of that, we have seen great miracles and God turning the bad into good and to great good. I can, I'm thinking of a guy named Larry. Uh, we were in some extensive therapy with, with my son. We were, in, we were in California, actually, there for several weeks. He was, he was learning to walk. He was, uh, he was the youngest kid who had braces. And he was learning to try to walk with these braces at this one center. So we were there for a long time and just hoping to reach this goal. And in this place was a lot of other people that had physical problems. And one individual was a, a quadriplegic. He had broke his neck in an auto accident as a teenager. 
and he had a little bit of use of his hands, not much, but he was, his, he was, he was a very intelligent man. Uh, he was a, actually, he was a federal bank examiner. He was very smart. And while all the therapy is going on for hours and hours each day, I would talk with Larry and we just got to be friends. And finally, he just figured I believed the way he did politically because all the disabled people seemed to vote in one block, it seemed like. And he, he made a criticism about abortion. He just said, yeah, and so there's these crazy wackos that believe that a woman doesn't have the right to choose. And I, made, I just made a simple comment. I said something like, well, uh, I'm kind of for that other person in there that wants to choose life. And he said, what are you talking about? Oh, oh the, the human being, the baby. I'm, I'm kind of for him or her and their, their right to live. And for some reason that just struck him. And the next day he came back, he said, I've never thought about it that way. I've only thought it for, about it from one side. And I said, yeah, there's always another side in there. And so we just had an incredible conversation. Long story short, over a few week period, Larry came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It was an incredible victory in this man's life. He was, he was in law school at the time. And he went on, he was at UCLA, Ber UCLA Berkeley, finishing a law degree. And I remember he called me and I remember where I was when he called me. I was in my bedroom in Fairfield, Texas. And he said, hey man, it's Larry. And I said, yeah, man, how you doing? He said, great. And they're telling me about his church he's a part of and how their church is, is multiplying. He's gonna go help with another planet church. He said, I've got a decision to make. I said, what is it? He said, well, you know, I got my law degree and uh, I've been offered a job and they wanna bill me out at $425 an hour. And I said, take the job, <laughs> take the job. And he says this, he said, yeah, but there's a nonprofit who has started some women's shelters and they want me to be the CEO of this and run it. It's just a few and they can't pay hardly much. I might have to raise my own funds. And I said, oh, I see what you're struggling with. And I said, Larry, where's the peace? Follow the peace. And he called me back and he said, hey, I took the job working for the nonprofit for this women's shelter. And I really, my wife and I are just convinced and we're passionate about this. And, I'm, and I thought about, I remember thinking that as difficult as a situation we found ourselves in, here's one guy in just one life that we just spoke a few words. He saw the life, he saw the example, and now he's helping to change and to bring relief to hundreds and hundreds of people in bad situations, just from speaking the word. You're in that same situation. You may want people to think everything's great in your life and everything's good, but I know you go through struggles too. I know you go through hardship. And when you follow the Lord like this, even when you're suffering, God will take the bad. Even where you failed, God will take what's bad. He won't call bad good, but he'll take the situation and he'll turn it around for the good. Why? Because the Holy Spirit helps. The Holy Spirit intercedes and the Holy Spirit leads and guides your life. And the Holy Spirit is wanting you to see what's coming is better and, and greater than you could ever imagine. That's why you and I need new bodies to see it. No mind can imagine, as Paul says, no eye can see all the colors you're about to see. There isn't a mountain peak, there isn't a seashore that compares to the beauty when God recreates everything, gives you a new body to where you can even take it in, you are gonna be blown away by what God has for you. And that's why Paul says, 
These temporary sufferings don't even compare to the glory that we're going to see. So brothers and sisters, stay firm, stay full of the Holy Spirit, and watch God transform your life and transform this world. If you haven't ever given your life to Jesus, you need to do it now. You're going to go through hard times. You might as well go through it with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings as he's changing situations. Your vocabulary changes. Your sight changes when you see the hope, the blessed hope, and experience the Holy Spirit leading and guiding, taking all things and making them good. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and thank you that you're in control, that you're all powerful. And Lord, even some of the mess that I've made, you can turn it around. And Lord, some of the problems that we face today and the problems that we'll face tomorrow, Lord, that you have a way of turning it around and bringing good. Lord, I know you, you hate relationships being split. Lord, we know that you hate sickness and you hate death. But Lord, you have a way of redeeming these things for your glory. Lord, we look to you. Right where you are, you may be going through a difficult time. Would you just say to the Lord right now, just say, Lord, I surrender this to you. Lord, I pray you give me that hope and that confident expectation that I can see the better. I can see the more. I can see the blessings that's coming. Say this, say, Lord, I don't know what to pray. But Spirit, I know you do. And plead my case. You may say, Lord, I, I know right now I don't feel like doing what's right, but I know I will. Lord, we just pray you take all of these situations. Lord, you use them for your glory, that we would become the people you have in mind. Lord, that we would be able to see lives changed by walking through temporary suffering as we look to this eternal glory of what you're about to do. Lord, we love you. If you're here today and you've never given Jesus your life, you don't know if you die today, if you'll go to hell or not. The Lord has a word for you. Right now, he has a word for you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Follow him all the days of your life. And the Lord comes right inside your heart. And he begins to change you, shape you, mold you. Lord, we ask that you would accept this service and our commitments for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.